Welcome to the SAP HCM Insights podcast. I'm Steve Bogner, the managing partner at Insight Consulting Partners, here with uh, my colleagues Becky Murray and Martin Gillette. And today we're having a conversation with AJ Whalen. And AJ is a senior research analyst at SAP Insider. And uh, we've all known AJ for a long time. We've worked together and, and done things together. And uh, so we're going to talk about his role there and what's going on with um, HR in uh, at SAP Insider. Um, before we get to that, just a, a couple of housekeeping notes. The, all the podcast details and all of our podcast history is over at insightcp.com insights. And you can see all of our pictures and bios there. Leave us some comments. Give us some feedback, uh, good or bad. If you have ideas that you want us to cover in the future, we'd love, we'd love to hear about that. Uh, you can also find the podcast on all sorts of uh, podcasting platforms. So um, if you don't find it on the platform you like, send us a note and, and we'll get it there. Um, so, having said that, let's kick this off. So, um, you know, AJ, you've been at SAP Insider. Uh, you were there before, and you went off and did some other things, and you came back. And I think SAP Insider has changed over the years. And, and so just bring us up to date with um, where SAP Insider came from, where it's at now, and, and sort of what's going on with all of that. Sure. And thanks for inviting me to, uh, to take part in the podcast this morning. I appreciate that. So. Uh, my role at SAP Insider is I'm uh, I'm head of all of the HCM research and content for SAP Insider. So SAP Insider as an organization is is kind of well known across the the SAP ecosystem. It's been around for more than 20 years um, and it's been heavily involved in publications like the SAP Insider magazine, uh, the smaller publications like HR Expert, and of course the events that they produced for for many years that I was involved with, as you mentioned. Uh, going back uh, a number of years. And recently, about a year or so ago, a new group uh, began running the organization uh, and has put instilled kind of a, a full research focus into the organization. So where SAP Insider had been mainly seen as an event and publishing organization in the past, uh, the, the group that runs the organization is the group that used to run Aberdeen Research. And there are a number of people who have strong research backgrounds so the first thing is really instill a research methodology into everything we do. So research leads uh, all of our content going forward. And uh, that includes all of our HCM payroll, everything, all the research we're doing in, in my area. And, you know, it puts in a, a structured research methodology and we will do formal research reports each year. And out of those research reports will come other content and other opportunities for webinars and for events and things like that. But it really kind of changes the focus. But I think over the years, over the last several years anyway, uh, as other events in the landscape have taken you know, precedence, as, as Success Connect has become kind of the de facto event for HCM, um, I think SAP Insider has, uh, whether intentionally or unintentionally, has kind of stepped back a little bit from HCM. It hasn't been quite as, as visible. And I think this is a really a, a strong um, step forward in saying that HCM is very important to the SAP Insider community and the investment they're making in that is is clearly visible in terms of the content and the, and the research that we're doing. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's great. So it has really come a long way, and I kind of like the focus on research. It's it's good to get customers some some good objective research there to, um, you know, help them in their journey because there's a lot of questions these days. And um, I think I remember just recently, not too long ago, you had a a report that came out the the state of the market on on how the cloud is transforming HR. And I think, yes. I think you got into some of those questions and, and some of the issues there. So what what were some of the things there? I mean, 
we all know that you know on-premise customers are marching towards the cloud. Hopefully, it's the SAP SuccessFactors cloud, but it's not always. Um, we know that that's going on. What are some things from that report maybe that um, surprised you or, or you think are more noteworthy that people may not sort of appreciate? So that report that you're talking about um, was, uh, you know, kind of look at the overall cloud HR adoption and all of the factors that are driving customers in, in kind of what landscape they're choosing and kind of, you know, some customers are putting their toe in the water and starting with one module in the cloud and others are, are going um, elsewhere. So I think the first thing, and, and maybe something that is more interesting than surprising, because I think we all sort of know this, but is that eight years or nine years or whatever, after the acquisition of success factors, 35% of the customers in the survey identify themselves as still being entirely on-premise. And that mm -hmm. means they don't have any cloud solutions at all. So it's not even a hybrid. Um, so at that level of, you know, after this many years, that, that was a, a bit of a surprise to me. Uh, I think when it comes to adoption, I, I found it interesting that when we look at, uh, we, we take the their survey respondents and based on different slices of data, we, we group them into, you know, leaders, industry average, and then uh, the laggards. And I found it interesting that the industry average group and that's the customers that feel they're kind of about equal to their peers in their industry in terms of the value they're receiving from their HR technology. They've got the highest satisfaction scores in terms of their cloud HR or their HR investments, technology investments. Mm -hmm. So you think the leaders would be the most satisfied, but the industry average, the ones who are more likely to be um, kind of figuring their way and maybe trying different things, they tend to be the most satisfied. Hmm. And that's something that, I mean, that can kind of trigger a whole a bunch of different conversations around are they satisfied uh, at a higher level because they are selectively choosing the solutions they want to do and not just following one full path forward, not diving all into one suite, mm -hmm. um, you know, kind of going best of breed instead of best of suite. It, there's a lot of ways to slice that. And I found that very interesting as well. Yeah. Um, and I think maybe one more thing that came out of that research was we hear a lot about how a lack of a business case is preventing some customers from moving their HR, HCM to the cloud. But the the laggard category, the you know those who are saying they're achieving kind of less value, the back end of the of the train, if you will, they indicated that lack of a business case was really much less of an impediment than the other groups. Mm -hmm. So if you think of the if the folks who aren't adopting it say business case isn't the problem. That kind of debunks one of the myths that you hear out there today about why companies are struggling to make the investment into cloud HR. Sure. Oh, just a, a correction, AJ. It's no longer HCM. It's, it's HXM. H by the way, I, I am I am very well aware of that, <laughs> and uh, you know it, that that's a, a something that we're going to be addressing as well coming forward in, in the research we're doing. Uh, obviously, experience is a whole. Um, hot topic and, and, yeah. and from SAP's perspective is, is is driving a lot of their messaging and a lot of the work they're doing. Um, I think you know, the customers are maybe not quite there yet in terms of understanding or adopting it, but I think you'll see a lot more of that yeah. coming up. Yeah. Yeah. And, you know, it's it, there's definitely value to the HXM approach. Um, I think it's just maybe, um, you know, customers might take a while to catch up to that. So just like, you know, some customers are taking a while to catch up in their move to the to the cloud. Um, you know, as, as I talk with customers, you know, some of them, there's all sorts of reasons that people do and don't. And, you know, I don't know if that there's any one, you know, big cluster of, of um, factors, right? So, you know, some of yeah. my customers, 
they say, you know, Steve, we, we just got through spending all this time and money to put in our integrated SAP HCM system. We're, we're, we're not ready to just like break all that up and move it to the cloud because, you know, we, we did that. We've got other priorities. And so it's just not a, uh, there's, they don't see the need for it at this point. And others, they see, you know, there's functional benefits for them moving to the cloud, right? They want, for example, when you look at SAP's on-premise HR versus employee central, I mean, the difference is pretty stark. And so yeah. a lot of customers want that functionality, right? Um, and they're not concerned so much that it's cloud, they just want the functionality. So I think it's all over the map. And then you have some people who just don't trust the cloud, so. And I think there's less of that as we go forward. Mm -hmm. um, yeah. You know, it, it, I think it, it varies in, in regions. There's a little more sensitivity to to the, the, the trust factor and the privacy factor in different parts of the world. But I, I think the, the trends are a little bit away from that. Um, and I think the other thing is we're seeing from some of the research is that integration is maybe not as much of a of an obstacle to customers. It's an important topic and it's very something that needs to be addressed. But where you used to have customers who said, you know, I don't want to deal with integration at all because they, as you said, they were used to that integrated suite. Mm -hmm. um, I think it's not really as much of a hurdle for them anymore. It's something that needs to be addressed. Needs to, it's a concern, but it's not stopping customers. Mm -hmm. Sure. And so AJ, as you talk about this different research, how are you going about getting this data? What's the process for you know soliciting feedback from different customers? And, and then how does it all get compiled and ultimately pushed out to people? Sure, it's a great question. Uh, so there is a, a formal methodology that we use and it's, uh, there's an acronym, it's called DART. But the DART stands for the drivers. So those are those kind of macro level events that are impacting organization. What's driving them to do different things from a strategy and an action perspective. A is the actions, and that's the actual things that things are taking to address those drivers. R is requirements. So what are the business and say process level requirements that support those strategies? And then T is the technology they're using to to get to to address those requirements. And that methodology is kind of what fills out the entire survey. So we're looking at this not from something as simple as saying how many people are adopting a solution because that doesn't really tell you anything. We want to know what what's forcing the customers or what's the what's top of mind for them when they're doing this where those drivers what actions are they taking so that that's what drives the creation of the survey so we put the surveys together and the surveys are distributed they are uh, available for any SAP customer to complete and they're they're basically published through our social media our newsletters through integration with uh, other groups um, other organizations that push it out to their membership as well so there's, you know, we, for example, we've done work with uh, IRAM uh, where they've shared our survey links and, and we're working with some of the other user groups as well. So the surveys are online. They're free to take. Uh, they typically take about seven to 10 minutes. It's not a very, it's not a, an hour time commitment. Um, and the questions, again, are in line with, they're based on a specific topic, but they're in line with tracking the, that DART, those drivers, actions, requirements, and technology. This, the results are compiled and they're analyzed by uh, myself and our team at SAP Insider. And from that is produced the full research report, which is you know a 20 to 30 page uh, report that analyzes the findings of the survey and also what that means for the customers. And at the heart of it, everything is about what the customers are doing and what it means to the customer. Um, there is no uh, 
involvement by outside entities or partners in shaping of the surveys or in creation of the reports. It is all done objectively and it's all based on strictly on the, the research that comes out of that, uh, that survey. So, I mean, that's the, the process that we're doing. And I think over the, over the course of 2020, uh, HCM has planned to have six different research reports and that will range from, uh, there's a current survey that is out there right now in the market for around employee central adoption. There is a report coming up in the end of Q1 around the state of the market with payroll, which is I know, near and dear to uh, the hearts of the folks on this call as well. And there will be others around overall digital HR transformation. So we're talking about uh, how customers are deciding which processes to move to the cloud, how it's affecting their, their um, strategic things like talent acquisition retention efforts and the value they're getting. There is going to be a report on talent acquisition and retention specifically, and there's a lot of technology that's impacting that. There will be a report on learning management trends. And then probably my favorite one, uh, which is a little uh, you know, more kind of focusing on the customer, we're going to do a report on the voice of the market, and that'll be really focusing on the stories and the sentiments that the customers are expressing. And, and what we do along the line at SAP Insider, in addition to the surveys, is we interview customers every single week. I'm talking to different customers. Some customers may be running one module, some are in you know one country or one region, but I, I, I do that. And across the full year, that those interviews will lead to this one report, which is gonna really kind of focus on maybe a little more uh, qualitative than quantitative trends, but kind of the voice of the market and what customers are saying they're seeing. So that's that's the my long-winded answer of what we're doing, but it's it's um, you got a lot it's, going it's on. Really, we do have a lot going on, and it's it's nice to be in a really structured research environment where it's not just slap a survey together and, and see what you know customers are implementing, but really talk about the, the the drivers and the strategies as well. Yeah. Well, and that's a, a question I had, AJ. You, you talked about customers can take the the surveys. So, do you reach out and, and invite people to take those, or can people take them anytime they want to? I mean, what's the process yep. look like there if someone wants to contribute? Yep, so people can take them anytime they want to. We will be, we have not developed yet, but we will be developing research panels where we will invite customers to take part. So, you know, they'll sign up to participate in, say, the six different surveys we'll do for the research reports for 2020, as an example. And, you know, there will be, we'll have regular meetings, they'll have regular findings calls, and they'll have a lot more insight into into what's going on with the data. But for right now, until the panels are really fully established, the reports, uh, their surveys are out there for anyone to complete. We um, make them available to all SAP customers globally. Mm -hmm. And um, like I said, it's it's been successful so far. Um, and it's I think it's a great way to to really just get beyond just the general what are you using and what are you doing, but in terms of why. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And are the results broken out so that people reading the reports can kind of find segments that relate directly to them? You know, is there, this is what companies that are of certain sizes are doing or certain locations? So uh, we, we have demographic questions in every survey as a standard mm -hmm. set of, of demographics. And that is used to create derivative reports as well. So you'll have findings where you'll be able to say, here's what, you know, the, the trends are in EMEA versus North America or in this industry or this company size, the reports will do that breakdown where it's relevant for the report. But oftentimes the reports are going to look at kind of uh, 
the, the traditional, you know, determining who the leaders are, who the average industry average are, and who the laggards are, and focusing on that. But we do have the ability with the demographics, and you'll see derivative content that will come out that will be published throughout the quarter. So when a report gets published, it will be followed up by different slices of that data as you're talking about. Mm-hmm. That's wonderful. Yeah, so this gets me into thinking, AJ, you know, are these benchmarking reports or are they re- research reports or, or both? Because I know ASUG has, at least I think they still have uh, a pretty good benchmarking sort of platform. Um, maybe I'm out of date with that, but I'm just curious, yeah. would people expect that these are for benchmarking or are they more for giving customers an idea of where the industry is and, and where it's going? It's, it's more the latter. Okay. It's more the latter. It's, it's less of, I mean, there are some, some, some benchmark qualities to reports, but they're intended to be more kind of state of the market in trends and voices of the customers and what, you know, what the customers are focused on. And the analysis in the report comes down to here's what the numbers show and, and here's what customers should be doing to keep up with the leaders. Mm-hmm. And it's really kind of showing, you know, it's, that's the focus of it. So I know that ASOC does a really nice job and I was, you know, part of that for a long time with the benchmark reports and, and we're not in that same vein. So it's not competing with that. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So that's a lot of great insights. Uh, thanks, AJ. So the question was basically throughout these reports, have you been able to maybe identify the key challenges for customers and podcast listeners for the beginning of this year? What should customers be looking at, you know, for the next, I don't know, six months ahead of them? What are the choices perhaps we could offer them and what will be the you know, painful point maybe we need to address to whoever is in charge? So that's an interesting question. I think we came up with some recommendations in that first report that I mentioned, the overall cloud HR report. Um, one of them was very simplistic, and it's it, but it came out loud and clear in the reports. And that's for the customers that really haven't done much yet. And it's what became clear in that report is if you haven't started to plan for transitioning processes to the cloud, you're well behind your peers. It's really becoming kind of a, a disadvantage to your organization, to your HR organization, because more than 80% of the survey respondents um, have plans to move some or all of their applications to the cloud over the next 24 months. So many are already there. So for the, the first thing was, is kind of, it's got to be a little more of a sense of urgency to, to keep up and to, as you, you know, Steve, you mentioned earlier, some of the functionality that's being added to success factors is what makes the difference between, so the on-premise world and, and it's more of the possibilities. But I think as things begin to change and as you see more um, integration with things like Qualtrics and the experience HXM becomes uh, a lot more relevant and there's a lot more of a business case there, I think you're going to see a lot more movement. Um, I think one other recommendation that came out of that paper was to really understand the payback or the kind of the ROI potential of the business processes when you're making your decisions as to what to install or what to uh, adopt um, because all of the different options out there for HR applications aren't equal when it comes to the payback. And I think customers don't always look at that when they're making the decision, they tend to chase the shiny object. Um, so I think that was that was something that came through loud and clear in terms of the, especially with the interviews that we do along with the surveys. Um, and then really, this is one that is obvious to us, but maybe not always obvious to the customers, is, is customers shouldn't be looking to make decisions about their HR technology based on the technology. It should be about the organization's strategic goals and their business processes. Um, and you know, you find a lot of customers who are saying, well, I need to go to this because it's the latest technology. 
And that's not always the best reason. You're not going to necessarily sure. get the best return out of that investment. And I think the the survey numbers show that a lot of the customers who have maybe kind of dipped a toe in the cloud by first moving some less critical functions or applications that might have an immediate ROI to the cloud are more satisfied with it. So really, you know, Martin, to get to your question, I mean, customers should be kind of investigating the potential for time, cost, process improvements, and matching them to what their goals are as an organization. That's that's my my thing that came out of that first report. So as, as the beginning of the year is really looking at what your goals are for the year and how can the different solutions help you. And don't let the marketing buzz push you or guide you, mm-hmm. um, but really tie it to what those goals are. And I think that the customers in our survey that take that approach, and it's not that many of them, to be honest, mm-hmm. um, that do that. I think a lot of them chase the technology, but the ones who have admitted doing that have an easier time justifying the effort and the costs of the implementations. So the the customers who put more effort into making good decisions are happier with their decisions because yes. they have better <laughs> outcomes, right? I mean, it, it's very logical when you say it that way, but it's not always logical in, in practice. And, and, and a lot of times it's, you know, we need to go to this new platform or this new technology because it's what everyone is doing or it's, it's what we see in all the marketing. Mm-hmm. But is it really necessary and is it applied? Does it help you achieve your goals? And I think that's where HR has got to make that decision. So that's, you know, it's, I'm not sure if I answered your question, Martin, but I think when it comes to looking forward for the, for the year, I think that's the biggest thing. Yeah. Well, you know, I, I kind of, I, I can see why some customers, um, you know, may be putting some of this off because, you know, we, we focus on HR, but in a lot of companies we work with, HR is, uh, a s- smaller operation than the rest of everything a customer has on SAP. If they have accounting, logistics, manufacturing, all that other stuff, they also have to move that off of the ECC platform by 2025, right? So, right, right. Um, and a lot of times, you know, customers, the SAP's kind of, you know, and I see why SAP's doing this. They need to, to you know, turn the the page on the technology platform and and move away from on-prem to cloud. But a lot of customers, they just have so much of of an SAP footprint, they can't move it all at once. And so they they get faced with some some, uh, decisions, right? Which ones are a higher priority? And, uh, you know, a lot of times it's more important to keep the manufacturing system up so you can make widgets and you can um, you can make it by with an old HR payroll system for quite a while. So I, I think yeah. I, I feel for customers in that sort of situation. And I think you're seeing too is that a lot of the direction from the from the top from the so the CIO or CTO level is on things like S4 HANA, mm-hmm. and that's where the focus is. And as a result, some of the other solutions that are you know, operating just fine in the on-premise world aren't getting the the attention. And that's why I said that the focus really has to be on the um, the return on investment of what yeah. that solution is. And and that's where it, it gets more and more complicated. But you're right, HR doesn't always get the all the love from the, the top of the technology organization when it comes to it. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, when you have to make hard decisions, sometimes the outcomes aren't what you would like. You know, the other thing too, Steve, is we're we haven't talked about payroll and I know that that's important to you, but mm-hmm. one thing that came out of this survey was the kind of the biggest feedback was the sentiment that a lot of the customers, and it's not surprising to us, but are hesitant to touch their existing on-premise payroll solutions. For sure. And yeah. 
that can be various reasons. It can be because of the risk. Um, and it was a great quote that was in the report that we published from a, from a customer was nobody wants to be the person who broke payroll. Yep. And, uh, you know, that's part of it. Uh, and it can also be due to cost, particularly for those maybe larger on-premise customers who still very clearly remember the effort and the cost to implement SCP payroll a decade or two ago. Um, I think there are some market factors at work here. You know, employee central payroll is a great solution. It's available for 46 countries. Uh, there isn't really a true global cloud payroll solution. So I think a lot of customers are choosing to sit back and wait a little bit rather than replacing what is working. Mm-hmm. And um, so it's, it's a little more complicated answer. And I'd be curious I'm gonna, if I turn it back on, on you guys to hear your thoughts on specifically that around payroll is do you as a group do you, the three of you think is payroll an impediment to other adoption within uh cloud hr do you think payroll's holding customers back from uh you know moving to employee central or to doing other things or is is that just more of a myth in your eyes hmm. i i don't think it's holding people back it's not holding most people back um because they understand that you know this this link between this integration between HR and payroll and time and benefits that's on the on-prem side that's going to change when they go to employee central and you know it's just the the technology roadmap that SAP's put out um, you know we have one system for core HR we have another system for uh, time if, if you have any sort of reasonably complex time calculations you're going to be using something like Kronos or Workforce, and then, you know, payrolls on another platform. So I think people understand that they've got to sort of break those apart and move to a less of a uh, natively integrated and, and more of a stitched together framework. Um, and, and a lot of people are, you know, putting Employee Central in and then replicating the data back to on-prem for payroll. Um, I think there's some confusion in the payroll roadmap. Uh, I think it's to me, it's clear, but I think a lot of people just don't like what they see. And, um, you know, replacing payroll is a complicated task, full of risk, and with very little reward. So unless your platform's on fire or you have some other sort of uh, uh, reason to replace it, like, you know, you you know your payroll's so messed up you can't support it anymore, um, it's really hard to make that justification to change it out. And... You know, I can understand why customers would be um, a little apprehensive about doing that because it's a lot of work for a little bit of reward and a fair amount of risk. So that's my perspective. I don't know, Becky, Martin, you you guys might have other perspectives. No, I I think it's the same. I think um, depending on the size of the company and, you know, the type of work they do, how they pay people, um, you know, influences the complexity of payroll. so if you have to take in, you know, um, a complex hourly situations or, you know, union rules and things like that, if you have to do some type of, you know, pay by piecemeal type work and you need some, you know, uh, production numbers coming in from someplace else, then people are wondering why they would break out payroll uh, from a system where it's already integrated with all of those different data points. But for companies that run a, a more straightforward payroll, where they're not relying on some of those additional data points that would be stored in, you know, their ERP environment, then they are looking for, um, you know, some other options and looking towards the cloud. Um, it's definitely discussions that companies are having, um, whether they're 
you know, acting on those discussions or not, we, we do know that, you know, most people are talking about it and just wanting to know, you know, at a minimum what, what is out there and what's available. I agree. Um, like you guys, we have seen a lot of customers moving out uh, functionalities into the cloud, but sadly the uh, payroll aspect is not the primary goal. They want to secure their uh, manufacturing process, the financial process, um, and if they move some HR functionality, I would say 90% of the time, this is actually for personal development, what these uh, marketing Einstein are calling nowadays the talent uh, side of things. Mm -hmm. So uh, payroll actually is working. So basically, they apply the golden rule. It's, uh, it's, uh, if it works, don't fix it. I mean, there's no urgency, and the work that will be behind will be quite, you know, like you mentioned, Steve, very high for a little reward. So yeah. they, they're not keen to touch that yet. But yeah. it's in the paper. They're discussing. Well, and one, one thing I didn't mention is a, a number of, of, of customers have seriously taken a, a good, serious look at outsourcing payroll to uh, a BPO provider because they're saying, well, I don't like the roadmap. And so why, why participate in that when I, when I can outsource it? Um, you know, outsourcing payroll is a complicated task also, but it frees you from having to deal with the technical roadmap complexity that, that I think is out there right now. It's not right for everyone, well, right? Outsourcing no, is not right for everyone, but it's an option that uh, more people are taking a look at. That's correct. But Belgium is actually a very good example because we are outsourcing payroll quite often. We are a country known, you know, for the uh, outsourcing of payroll. So it means that customers are basically just calculating the gross salaries mm -hmm. and they're just exporting the result to, uh, you know, local firm, which are very well established. Yep. So uh, it's maybe a niche market, but it actually shows a lot of interest on that side as well. I concur. Yeah, I see that in France too, Martin, where, you know, a lot of people are there saying, you know, we'll just calculate the gross here and we're going to let a local firm take care of it because I don't want to deal with the complexity of having to do that in-house. And that, that may not be really an SAP issue. It might just be more of an issue of complexity. But I think so. And I think what I was going to say there is I think there's definitely been a trend recently in it. I'm not sure if it's a change in technology, but the BPO providers, the solutions that are available to customers to go to that where they can, uh, instead of just getting a, a, a BPO payroll solution, they can get a full success factor suite with the integration to that BPO payroll. There's mm. So there, there's a lot more choices for the customers out there right now than there were just even a couple of years ago. So I think that's definitely something that's kind of playing in that market. Um, my shameless plug for this, by the way, is at the end of the <laughs> quarter, about two or three months from now, we will have our report on the state of the market with payroll. Um, and we also are planning some um, some events and some issues around payroll for this year. We're working with SAP on that as well. So stay tuned for more of that. Great. Good. Well, AJ, this has been a great conversation. Thanks for taking the time to, to talk with us. Um, Thanks. Thanks for having me. I'm, I'm always happy to, to share what we're doing. And, and if you've got uh, customers that you work with that are interested in taking part in the research, you know, by all means, um, Steve, you can you can publish my email and we'll, we can share the links to the surveys as well. Sure. Yeah, we'll make sure that uh, we have the links in the podcast description. So if people want to uh, contact AJ, I mean, you can go to uh, the SAP Insider website and find him there, but also take a look at the podcast page, insightcp.com slash insights, and we'll have all of that stuff there. Alrighty. Well, you know, this is early January and I'm in payroll, so I need to get back to making sure year end happens. <laughs> 
<laughs> That's a nice, nice segue. <laughs> yeah, exactly. All right. It's been a great conversation, everyone. Thanks, and uh, we'll catch you again in a couple of weeks. Yeah, Thanks, happy Steve. New Year. Thank you, everyone. everyone. Happy New Year again. Have a good one. Keep in touch.